hanging out chill. Got my... Oh, wait. This is your part where you talk. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the GoldenAgeHorror.com podcast. This is episode 64, The Creature from the Black Lagoon. Hello. Oh, Andrew. hello. How are you? I'm doing all right. Um, so, yeah. are you, so you want to talk about this movie? Yeah, so I'll just I'll give you the give, uh, give me, give give me the, the intro. I'll give you the facts. Nineteen fifty-four. Nothing but the facts. Yeah, Jack. That's right. This is now the Dragnet fan cast. Yeah. No, it's a different fan cast. We'll get to that later. Uh, Nineteen fifty-four film directed by Jack Arnold, starring Julie Adams, Richard Carlson, Nestor Paiva. Richard Denning, Denning, Ben Chapman, and Rico Browning as the creature. Nice. Those two, last two as the creature. Ben Chapman playing him on land. Rico Browning playing him on the sea. Sea, yes. I like the. I like him using the sea. Was, yes, it looked and good. it's uh, an original script by Harry Essex and Arthur Ross. Weird. A lot of these don't feel like original. Most of the time, I feel like there's so few original scripts in these old movies. They're most no, all of them are adapted from stories. That's why. I have an original script and an exclamation point in my notes. Oh. Two markets. Two I, have, markets I have a very important note, but I should get to the, the recap first, right? Yes, recap. This That's is a recap roundup session. Just that. So how many, how many monsters in this movie? One monster. All right. Actually, I would say there's no <laughs> monsters in this movie, just some disagreements. Oh, shit. Hot take. Yeah, there's no monsters in this movie. And um, let me say that surprised me, honestly. So, like, Matt, is a jaguar a monster? Yes, definitely. <laughs> is a, are, are, like, cats of prey monsters when you think about it? Uh, anything that's not a human is a monster, for sure. No, no. Dog. <laughs> robot. Squirrel. <laughs> robot. <laughs> Car. We got a red squirrel hanging around lately. I like him. He's small. Yeah, I fucking hate squirrels, dude. They're terrible. Dude, I love him. Did <laughs> you ever tell you about the time in Hyannis when a squirrel climbed up onto my screen door and started shaking the handle <laughs> as if to gain egress into my home. I love their weird little heads. I love watching They're them. So... I love watching them climb up, climb over things. Just like, just like hand over foot over hand over foot. It's like, listen, it's beautiful. All right. I mean, it is, it is, it is quite a piece of engineering. The things that those little squirrels can do. It's quite impressive. Yeah. I, I like, I'm a big fan of squirrels. Honestly, I saw so, I saw someone had so, set up a little table and a camera to, like a little picnic table for squirrels, uh-huh. and a camera to photography, photograph and record the squirrels. Did, did you see that? Was it the Mark Rober? He's like a famous YouTuber with like a science event. Did you see his whole thing? No, it's pretty amusing. It's like a twenty-five minute video, but it's uh, so you know, but it's it's all about like a squirrel. He like put a bird feeder out, and then he was trying to squirrel proof it. Yeah. And it's like this whole thing where he comes up with these more elaborate, like Rube Goldberg machines to squirrel proof it. Awesome. And he, he gets it's it's quite amusing, and uh, the end result is basically that it's nearly impossible to squirrel proof something. No, because the lengths they will go to to get the lengths they will go to to get some seeds <laughs> is truly insane. And like they, their bodies, they're like they're just <laughs> yeah, like they're built incredible. for like fucking jumping through the air and climbing <laughs> on things. And like, squ- there's a reason we use the word the verb squirreling. And squirrely yeah. as an adjective to describe erratic movement. <laughs> yeah, there. Um, 
a rat. I don't. There's nothing erratic about a squirrel emotion. It's it's pure grace. <laughs> it is. I'm a big fan of those guys. Number one squirrel supporter here. I love them. Um, All right, so that was uh, well. Thank you for listening to the Squirrel Cast. Yeah, thank you. you just Check out our Patreon. Send us money on Venmo. Squirrels dot com. Here's my cash app. It's Squirrel Fan. <laughs> squirrel Fan six nine six nine. Nope. Listen, I'm a mature man. Oh, sorry. Listen, Squirrel, squirrel Fan four twenty. Yeah, dude. I know what you're saying, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have money for that. Dude. It's expensive, dude. Pot ain't free. <laughs> Pot ain't free. Pot ain't free. That's that's my new platform I'm going with. It's gonna it's, it's like potting free like tilde or like question mark. I'll never. I will. Uh, anyway, never mind. We'll never get um, this. Um, so yeah. the movie. So there, there's yes. some people. They're in the Amazon. They say, mm-hmm. and they are excavating, and they find a weird hand. They take it out to have it inspected, and then there's like they're like, ah, this is a weird hand. We should go find more of it. <laughs> And they're like, it might have gone down to that lagoon. Trust me, I'm an underwater scientist. I would know these kind of things. Uh-huh. So then they go to the lagoon, and then, they, then there's a weird guy. And he's like, I'm a creature in that lagoon. And they find like a living version of it when they're hoping to find just like a better fossil. I should say who the characters are. There's an old doctor. There's a young doctor. There's <laughs> the woman doctor. And then there's some other people. There's Lucas, but we'll get to Lucas later. Mm-hmm. Um, then they're uh, they just kind of check out the lagoon and then the creature grabs a lady and then they chase him through some caves and then they kill the creature and they're like who's the real monster you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think I got all the points right yeah you, well, you missed some of the what I missed some of the intricacies I think like uh, all the twists and turns um, yeah like there's like people like ah I don't believe in your science or I want to be the real scientist well, one of them wants to do the killing, and one of them wants to do the yeah, save, saving or whatever, preserve him. Yeah, but then they yeah. kill him anyway because like the killing guy was right, as it turns out. You know, or if the killing well, guy gets the, killed, doesn't he? He doesn't get killed, does he? I thought he did. He maybe he does. There was another guy. So I had two. Yeah, no, uh, Mar- yeah. Mark is mauled to death while trying to capture the creature single-handed underwater. I had two. Uh, like, I I feel like I'm talking to the movies more. In in lieu of other people, <laughs> right, right. So in, the, in sort of the increasing disintegration of your mind, it was it's really the first shot that has like I've f- fully gone stir crazy. I think, or that's what like <laughs> that's what added the madness to it. You know, was like yeah, this this this, this you know encroaching finality to it all. I've oh, I see the first shot. I thought I thought no, you were talking no, about no, some no, shot no, in the first, movie. You're talking about vaccine shots being injected. Yeah. Yeah, it, it could definitely be that. For me, I think it's just we're just in, it's just been yeah. it's been long enough, and I'm just starting to yes un- unravel a little bit. No, I've truly, I've truly, as I've been, I've truly, my, I've developed an internal. You ever think of things that you only say to yourself? You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That for, for me, it's my own version of jokeification has been. I've referred, I've mentally thought of it as joining the black parade. Because <laughs> it's like it hit like that thing has hit me in the right time where it's like I want this extra theater kid energy and it's like yes I am going insane within my own house 
truly nobody understands anything. Uh, also, as I definitely talk to definitely talk to myself more. I'll yeah, tell you that. It, it also has like a riffing solo in it that there is a kind of solo that I really appreciate. I think my favorite guitar solo, or like my most appreciable guitar solo that is not like wild noodling shit, is the one in Alex Chilton. Yeah, that's a good one. That's like it's, it's like uh, in my way. It's like the platonic ideal of like unless you're just gonna like noodle in like your eight minute song, like for like a under five four minute song that like is. It's in, it's clever, it's like, it does its job, it's, it's a little show-offy, it has a slight reprise at the very end, it's like... It, it serves a song, it serves a song in a way that a lot of the other ones don't, like, it's just like... Right. It, 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 yeah. If you want to have, like a, if you want to have your guitar jerk-off solo song, I appreciate those, but like, in the middle of just like, an, like a, a regular song, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, it doesn't, it doesn't, the song's still like three, three, four. 45 or whatever how long that song is it's not yeah. it's it's but, it's a pop guitar solo you know right. i'm trying to think of like a there's probably some cheap trick songs that have like a similar vibe yeah but like i don't know like surrender does that song have a guitar solo i'm not like that sure has a, but yeah I like that song probably has a similar I think vibe I, my, my feeling is that a lot of guitar solos have like they're three and a half minute songs but they they're five minutes long because they have an overindulgent guitar solo yeah i mean I'm I'm on board with the occasional overindulgent guitar solo. Yeah, honestly. listen, like, I but I, I mean I like very long songs also though, so I can appreciate yeah. that. I like in the court of the Crimson King a great deal. Mm-hmm. And well, I was just thinking about Sweet Sweet Child of Mine, oh, which okay. is like a three minute song that tops out at like five fifty because of the two the two or three guitar solos that are in it. Yeah, but see, I you got, I gotta have pan flute solos as well. Oh, pan flute, yeah. Um, <laughs> but this is all coming back to there was another guy that happened that were on the exhibition that wasn't any of those people I mentioned. Yeah, and it's that would like Mister Piva. You know the scene during the um, when they're at they find the camp and they're like they find the like the dead helpers at the camp. No, uh-huh. and this guy comes out. I don't know who he is still, like his role in the movie. But he comes out and he's like, "No, hey, she's like, he's like, hey, knock it off, or we can't go there, or get back here." I'm like, "Who the fuck are you?" Like, I just said that to my screen because I honestly did not know who he was. And, like, who is he trying to pull rank when I... So, okay. I was talking about the guy in the camp who... The guy in the camp. Yeah, he, um... Yeah, who was that guy? I was saying who is that guy, basically. Which which one? The the guy, the... Is he the captain of the tramp steamer or whatever? No, no, he's just some guy. he's, He's nobody important. He's just, like, the fourth man that's there. No, you know who I want to talk with though—the captain of the Stram Steamer. I want to talk about Lucas. Lucas was—he's my favorite part of that movie. Yeah, he's he's great. He, um, you know, when he honk, you know, when he honks the horn, and yep. it scares the alligator. Yeah, I think that was like the first time that I think a movie was trying to. I think it was trying to be funny because I did laugh at that. I mean, and then it, and then it cut to Lucas laughing at it, and I said, "You and me both, brother. You and me both." Yeah, I mean, I guess go. I was just gonna say, I remember you always really liked the comic relief in the older movies too. Oh yeah, I love those guys. Love that screeching woman. The Uno <laughs> I'm so funny. Gosh, well, remember, sucks. I don't know if you recall, but she had she ran an end, and then there was a certain invisible man standing there, and it, it created some hijinks. Gosh, she sucks. It's like listen. Usually, usually, like, 
the actresses in these movies are like a shining light compared to like the dullness of the dudes. Yeah. But God, she's the worst. Well, she wasn't dull. No, she wasn't dull at least. But also terrible, terrible and the worst. Not funny at all. I can't, I, I was thinking recently, like, who are the three stooges? You know, who are the three stooges? As like people, like, well, <laughs> like I, I, in my mind, for some reason, I imagine like the three stooges around today and them being on like podcasts. No, they're dead. They're all old like they no, but you know what I mean. You know, I know they're all dead, but like out of character, like because they're so um, like culturally stamped as those characters. I, I occasionally think of things like that. Like, well, what were the people? I mean, they were just comedians. Like, what were they like yeah. as comedians? I think that might have been vaudeville people. Even they certainly right. had that energy. I don't know if they were if the time ring works out there. I don't even right. know when they were making movies and stuff. Yeah, so I was like, what is? But that's like a far off tangent. So what I'm trying to say is that Luke, this is a Lucas fan cast now, <laughs> and I am glad to have him around. He, listen, both Lucas the character and the actor portraying him seem like they were there to have a good time. Yeah, and yeah, they were true. they were they were very thoroughly enjoying themselves. I really liked um, the part that stuck out to me was when he pulled a knife on that guy. Yeah, so when when Lucas pulls a knife on Mark, Dr. Mark Williams, and he just has like a it's like a great never never stop smiling kind of thing. It was cool. Very entertaining actor. Yeah, he is like he steals the show. Really, he steals the show, and I do think the monster is pretty good yeah like especially yes this is the reason there's a credited underwater actor you know yeah yeah um the monster basically makes the movie i would say and maybe the scenes with, with lucas too yeah listen look forward for my my re-edit of lucas and the monster because the rest of the rest of the acting is pretty stuck you know yeah 19, 1950s like of the time, yeah, like not. In a well, good way. Well, to be fair, though, I think it feels like the romantic leads in this movie do actually enjoy each other a little bit. Yep, I, you know, I mean, Julie which Adams. is which is rare for these films. Yeah, um, I mean, she, her, and that the bathing suit are nearly as famous as the creature in the movie. I think. Yeah. Um, well, they're both usually in the cover, aren't they? Yep. Um, but definitely, I feel like the 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 coolness of the design is very iconic. Um, and a lot it's been a pretty pretty uh well imitated i actually i listened to an audiobook called the lady from the black lagoon yeah a couple weeks ago and sort of a prep for this and it was like pretty interesting pretty interesting audiobook so it, the 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 costume was designed by a, a disney animator named millicent patrick and her life was pretty interesting she um, sounds familiar honestly she she was it she it was an animator on Fantasia, among other things. She was one of the first animators, female animators at Disney. Her maybe father were like her father went to Hearst Castle, like go ahead. Maybe I was gonna say maybe that like that, that factoid is just like cemented itself and then having a name like Millicent. Yeah, I mean it, it seemed like from the audiobook, it seemed like that's a pretty obscure like cause because of the way all that stuff was happening like it doesn't it wasn't really like recorded at the time so she just went around telling people throughout the rest of her life that she was one of the first disney animators yeah which was which was likely true but she was also telling people that she was an italian countess which was not true um 
it, but just because like there was no there it was harder to check things out then she could just say shit um, right but she, anyway so so this woman created this design like the the visual design of this creature didn't do the sculpting and they sent her out on tour she was like a very beautiful woman they sent her out on tour um to promote it so there's all this promotional material of her like touring with a copy of the creature costume and like doodling on it with a pen, pen, paintbrush and stuff but then while she was gone the person who ran the makeup shop at universal decided that she was getting too much credit and by the time she returned from her tour she was removed from universal studios because she was like a contractor and right. they just covered up her existence as the creator of the monster or like downplayed the creator, her creation of the monster for a long time so she just kind of got written out of existence. Right. You're probably like, oh, she's a concept artist. You know? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever, yeah. whatever the, lowest, the lowest technically true title you can give to someone. And at the time, they would only credit the head of the makeup shops. So even though there was, like, a whole team of people working on it, like, they, did, they didn't do, like, 10 minutes of credits at the end of the movie. You know what I mean? They right. Just did, they're like, Bud Westmoreland or whatever was his name. So it was like... Um, but but for a movie like this, where not only is the creature design super important, but all yeah. the sculpting and the way it, they got it to work underwater is also super super important. That's why I think it's important, like to mention the actor who played him underwater. Yes, yeah, because if you just kind of like, I can imagine this movie where like there's a, he's very poorly acted underwater and he's just kind of like floating. Yeah. Or in, in the, back and forth, and it looks like, oh, this creature sure doesn't like being in the water for being a water creature. <laughs> There's also, too, the, the like the way the costume works. Like, uh, Mills and Patrick didn't do any of the sculpting, but the people who did did a phenomenal job. Because you could definitely see, maybe not this design either, but you can see a version of a monster, underwater monster, like you said, it just kind of like hanging there. Yeah. Like, very obvious cardboard shit hanging off of him. Right. Uh, or, like, it's very awkward to move in. Yeah. So that, uh, that's cool um the other thing was there's two sequels to this movie did you know that i mean i always assume there's like a million sequels to these movies and in the third one is he in the house of dracula does he make us like a visit in that one i don't think so but he meets he meets abbott and costello and he is in the monster squad as well which is not a uh not a house of dracula movie but does have all the monster movies in it is that the one where Wolfman's got nards? Wolfman's got nards, yeah, exactly. Okay, that's all I know about that movie. Uh, is that I, like an actual Universal movie, or is that someone just no. saying we can make no, all these we can use all these characters because yes. they're free? Exactly. I mean, they didn't. They couldn't exactly use all the characters. They had to change, like his design in particular. They had to change, and they had to right. Well, he's not adapted from a novel or anything. But they did just have a sea, a cre- a sea creature. You know what I mean? So it didn't really fucking matter. But anyway, in the uh, third guess- scene. I guess, like, real testament to that design that it's, like, it feels eternal, like Dracula and Frankenstein, or maybe yeah, just it's, because... Yeah, that's, that's the thing. It's, like, it really is just the design that hangs this movie. Like, for some... This movie that came out, like, 20 years after the other ones, like, how does this movie get included in that? They were making right. horror movies the whole time, but they no, none of the other ones get looped in. This movie, it's, the movie itself is not exceptional. No, and frankly, like, but, frankly, but that like that that creature design, like it feel. Before you mentioned that this was an original screenplay, I assumed it was like a you know a an old novel from the eighteen hundreds, just like Dracula or Frankenstein. Yeah, 
but no, it's it's literally the not only the design but also the intense marketing they put into marketing the creature as merchandise. Oh, yes, captured captured the Gill Man as like something like Dracula and Frankenstein and the Invisible Man even. Or Brian I mean, it worked. <laughs> it, it worked, work. it, and it, it's it's now part of this like incredible pantheon. Yeah. But, you're um, saying you're saying. Oh, the third sequel is called "The Creature Walks Among Us," and you should definitely look this one up if you get bored just for the uh, screenshots. Because okay, uh, is it like is it is, as good as all those snakes I was sending you that other day? Um, <laughs> the um, oh, Among Us, right? I love Among Us, dude. So the creature walks among us. He gets badly burned in a fire, and then they <laughs> he sheds his gills and become and be and has to walk. Uh, and it starts walking among the humans. He like he, they put clothes on him. Yep, I'm looking at this guy. He, I, I cannot like fully describe like what he looks like. Like in my mind, I can like I don't know the word for. Also, this creature, this Rico Browning, is like what a quite a dashy man to be in this suit. Yeah, well, I think he must have been a. A sw- like a swimmer of some kind, yeah, like a, probably an athlete. I mean, right. Ah, uh, he looks like he looks like a bad, like he looks like a like a one-off alien from a Star Trek episode. He does. He does. It's a, it's a <laughs> it's a weird thing. I just I was watching this footage from this movie. I was watching the documentary on, that came with my copy of this movie. Yeah. And I was like, I never heard of this. And I was looking, I was like, what the fuck is happening? It feels like he's like, <laughs> Captain Kirk needs to help him with something. Or like, no, no, actually, no, this feels more like TNG, really. It, it feels just like a Frankenstein knockoff to me. Like, they were just, I mean, mean it, it probably is. I'm just, I'm just saying like visually this design. <laughs> the face, you mean, with the skin burned off the creature. Yeah, he looks like there's like, maybe like the Romulans are trying to buy like, like their beachfront or something and so, Picard needs to help them or something. Do you, do you even like, you never even watched Star Trek, did you? No, but I have like, I've, I've absorbed so much of it, like through cultural <laughs> osmosis. I, and people seem to be like, at least from what I'm aware of online, have been like getting back into next generation or deep space nine or those shows. Yeah. Deep space nine. I've always wanted to get into because, uh, is that the, is that the one that what's his face worked on? Um, yeah, you're going to have to be specific. He did, you know, um, bah, 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 the guy who did the mo- those quirky TV shows, Hannibal. Did he work on that? I thought he, he worked, worked on Voyager. On... No, that's, so that's what it is then. I knew he worked on one of them. Yeah, Deep Space Nine supposedly gets very good as it goes on. Um, yeah. I've, I've watched the, I, I watched the beginning of it when it came out, and I thought it was terrible. And I tried to watch it again, sorry for the beginning, and I still did not think highly of it, so... I feel like people say that about Next Generation as well. So yes, next, well, next generation just Next Generation is one of those shows that just needs like a, someone needs to curate the episodes that you watch. Like you need a Star Trek person to go through and be like, "Here's the ones you need to watch," and then you can just skip the rest. Yeah, it, maybe maybe that's the same for Deep Space Nine, and I, just because I don't have the patience that I did. Right. It, it just sounds like people have Stockholm syndrome with those shows where <laughs> like they it, get it invested. Might. Three seasons in. I mean, that that could definitely be true as well. I, I know I, that with the Space Nine, there was like a whole. It, it turned into like a. 
it went from like a monster of the week kind of thing to having like a four season sort of like running plot line of all like a war and all this complicated shit so wow you know i think wrath of khan i like wrath of khan wrath of khan is great fucking love wrath of khan that khan guy (laughs) dude everyone in that movie is magnetic they put that bug in in sulu's ear or chekhov's ear whose ear do they put that in this feels like you put in chekhov's ear yeah probably put it in chekhov's ear that's a great scene still scary yeah but dude like or caught him out the bond. He doesn't have like a shirt on, like the whole movie. You just like out there, dude. Just he's like, like he's like quoting Moby Dick when he's firing his four twin torpedoes. At, I'm like a weird. I'm like a weird space pirate guy. <laughs> what even is that design? Like that outfit? Well, Where? it's just uh, it's just post apocalyptic, right? Like him and yeah. all this, the supermen were on that planet for some reason. Whatever. Anyway, this isn't a Star Trek, Star Trek podcast. But let us know if you want us to watch Space Seed slash The Wrath of Khan. We'll do that. Ooh, we could. What's Space Seed? It's the original series episode with. Um, oh right, right. Yes, that sets it the, up. The whatever device. I forget the name of it. No, the, no it doesn't have the original. It doesn't have the device. The device. That's that's a MacGuffin from the movie, but it has the right. Uh, it has like the original Khan appearance in it. Yeah, but isn't doesn't like that take into account like why that device existed in the movie the de- so the 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 i don't think so the oh. device is like the device is something that came up with the movie that's kind of like separate it's nothing to the genesis device or whatever the fuck it's called. yes that's what it was so wait so what's the con storyline in that movie the con storyline is con- in the, so in the con- episode rather so con is one of a uh is a selectively bred like superhuman okay they like cloned all these superheroes. I mean, not super like superhumans that uh, were like became like a benef- like a di- like a dictatorship. And this was like this would probably be in the show. It was probably supposed to be like two thousand twenties, probably. And right. uh, the uh, they were like super criminals, and they all got frozen. And the Kirk, the Enterprise, finds them. And as it's want to do, they do a they do a big fight. And Kirk hits him over the head with two hands a bunch of times. Ah, the old double hammer. <laughs> yeah, I, and after he gets tossed around like a ragdoll quite a bit, uh, I do. Some, I do. I do love that move. And then at the end of that, they say, "Oh, well, here's here's the deal. We're not going to let you guys travel in space because you're too badass. But we'll put you on this nice, nice, peaceful planet. We've already scoped it out. You know, you never be able to get off of it. But it's got all you need. But the the plot of Wrath of Khan is that they sent them to the they screwed up somehow when they were picking out the planet or when they were okay. to the planet, and they sent them to a desert wasteland, and it was a big disaster, and everyone, a bunch of the superhumans died, and Khan blames Kirk for that. And okay. then, I don't know, the Genesis device, I don't remember the specifics of that, but it's nothing to do with the that setup. It's just another, the Khan wants it to blow up the universe or to something, something. Well, the Genesis device makes the planet habitable. Oh, okay. So is he, he's going to put that on his planet? I think so. Okay. Beauty and the Man Beast from the Lost World. Look at those lips on that guy. Yeah, they really they really dialed that up. <laughs> that post that that color. Kind of weird that you would put uh you would put red lips on that thing. Uh, yeah. This is I mean the design doesn't even have it. Sometimes. It does it does in most of the pictures. So I don't know if it's supposed to or what the fuck. Maybe 
But you, when they when they do it, uh, I guess now, in some I guess in some of these costume shots, it does kind of look like it, like it kind of has reddish lips. It's a it's a weird thing. It's kind of like the it's kind of like when you see the red hair on Bride of Frankenstein. Wait, her hair's red. It's supposed to. Well, uh, Elsa Lancaster's hair was red. Yeah. So a lot of times in the pictures from back in the day, her hair is red in the drawings. Oh, okay. Because I was like, wait, no, it's black. Yeah, but they. Yeah, just the way it's become. There's if you right. if you just if you search Elsa Lancaster, even on DuckDuckGo image search, you get uh, you get some red. Maybe that's just maybe it's just people colorizing it now since then. Right. We're a little off topic, though, huh? No, I, we're talking about the Bride of Frankenstein. That's actually like as far as us going off topic. That's one of the most like on topic we've been. <laughs> Um. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I agree. Yes, you're right. This whole like through line is like all things considered, fairly uh, fairly on topic. Yeah, I mean, so. we're talking about old television shows and Bride of Frankenstein, and yeah. Also, it was Brian Fuller. That was the name I was looking for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. I'm pretty sure he was on Voyager. I think uh, so. Based on only based on some t- like you saying that before, actually. So maybe. I'm yeah, I, kn- I knew he worked in one of those Star Treks. Yeah. Oh, he no, he was. He did do some work on Deep Space Nine. Okay. He was a writer in season. He wrote two episodes in season five, but he was like a writer, a story editor, executive story editor, and co-producer of Voyager. Voyager, I do. I have nothing. I have no opinion on Voyager, really. I have never seen it. I remember I read uh, I read the novelization of the first like story, first episode, like the two episode arc that sets it up. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I was like probably twelve, and then that was it. It's my interaction with Voyager. I read on Heroes. What is this guy? What are you doing, Brian Fuller? <laughs> Don't write on shit. Just only do stuff where you can be like the main developer. You know. Mm-hmm. So like again, pushing daisies. Yeah. So it's like, why is someone letting? Why are they letting someone make a TV show like this? <laughs> what, a, what a weird thing <laughs> this is. Pushing daisies or Hannibal? But I mean, both of them, really. <laughs> uh, why? Why would they let someone make a TV show like that? I don't know. And put it on like basic cable. <laughs> yeah, but Hannibal is fucked. I'll say that for sure. But I mean. Mostly as fucked as the source material, so. Sure, sure, but it's like, let's have your weird murder art, and like, was is that like? Here's our answer to CSI: is weird murder art. <laughs> I anyway. guess that's like, <laughs> yeah, I guess it is. Or is that like, hey, Dexter is really popular. Is that contemporary with Dexter? It, I, it feels like it, but I kind of just... That might be like one of those things like Why the Last Man where I just kind of blended into the past. Right. Like. So <laughs> next next we're going to do Silence of the Lambs slash Hannibal. I mean, none of that stuff falls into our time frame, but I could, no. be, I could certainly be persuaded to watch Silence of the Lambs on a bonus episode. It's a good um, movie. It's an excellent movie. I think uh, Hannibal... 
uh, I get tired of it watching it when it was on, so I don't know if I would want to rewatch it, but maybe I would like it more, give it another chance. Right. I mean, who knows? It could just be like right in my wheelhouse, and that's why I enjoyed it so much. Mm. I like parts of it. Like, definitely the art parts, like the, the you know, the the hallucinations or whatever, where it would be right. like, these like very clear visual arts. But the rest of the show felt very... Um, Felt like it has this problem that I have with, with serial killer shows where it's like that kind of thing just doesn't really exist. Oh, uh, yeah. And it, and but we're, expect, we're expected to take it seriously in a way that like you don't take a creature from the Black Lagoon seriously, you know? <laughs> what? Creatures from the Black Lagoon don't exist? <laughs> and, I, and I don't know if that's exactly my problem with it, but I think it's like it's this, the serial killer genre in general I, have, I, I don't enjoy. So, okay. And yeah. that movie was very serial killer genre i mean that show is very serial killer genre yeah i guess i guess maybe in my mind if that show is like okay let's let's we're getting sidetracked okay um the only other thing i had written down to talk about was the shape of water have you seen that movie no i have not seen the shape of water Mm. you would you would you would think i would have that's an oscar winner best picture yeah yeah but i mean it's also a del toro movie which i've seen a little movie I'm a real Del Toro buff. Uh, I've seen Kronos. Yeah, so have I. Boy, that's a movie we should talk about too. But I mean, anyway. Kronos fucking rules, dude. I love Kronos. I, I, I every Christmas I'm like, can Alice watch this? Watch him lick the blood off the bathroom floor. Is that okay? Is this okay for a nine year old? I mean, like, it, it's bilingual, so it'll help her learn Spanish. Yeah, well, that's that was on my list, so. There we go. Um, then, then it's time for the Devil's Backbone. That stars children, so it's kind of <laughs> it's got to yeah. be acceptable for children. I mean, my my favorite is probably Pan's Labyrinth. I know it's kind of a basic basic choice, but I yeah. Like, I mean, for me, it's it, for me, it's either that or Devil's Backbone. Yeah, that was good too. I, that was both good. And Kronos, I'm quite fond of Kronos. Yeah, I actually really liked Crimson Peak too. I like Crimson Peak as well. I I, I don't think it's as good as those other three, but it's no, a, no. A great but movie. I mean, that's a high bar to be as good as. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I'm on, I'm on board. I'm on board with Crimson Peak. I thought it was great how hard he leaned into like Jane Eyre and stuff like that. Yeah, like he went full. He went for it. Or Wuthering Heights, I guess, is a better right. I remember so. I remember someone saying the problem with. Crimson Peak is you weren't thinking of it as like a romance film when you should have been thinking of it as a romance film. Yeah, he went, I mean, it is, it is a Bronte sisters movie. And then just like, there's some ghosts in it too. Right, right. Like, don't think of it as a horror movie. Don't, if you go and think of it as a horror movie, you'll, that's where you screw yourself up. You get into the wrong headspace. But, uh, his other, his other, his other recent movie is The Shape of Water, which is without a doubt, like, I mean, I think it's I think it's textual that this that it's like sort of an unofficial sequel to the creature from the Black Lagoon, the original. Okay. And that what if they captured they shot the creature up, he was alive, they dragged him back to Baltimore, put him in a tube, and kept him for experiments. And then the cleaning the cleaning lady fell in love with him. And it was motivated because I mean it's motivated by a feeling that I think you alluded to in your in your in your summation of the movie, which was that you you feel a great deal of sympathy for the creature or you can you are the movie does not the movie does generate some sympathy for the creature 
Right. right. It, 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 it paints it as just like, in the most generous terms, it just paints it as like another beast, like or just like a wild animal, mm. kind of, you know? And, and Guillermo del Toro, apparently, watching the movie as a child, thought, why couldn't the creature get the girl? Listen, I, Guillermo del Toro loves the monsters. He does love the monsters, and I am I am super sympathetic to that viewpoint, to be honest. But yeah, uh, he he sees uh, the monsters and goes, "Those are the good people. Yeah, Why I, are they being I, persecuted?" <laughs> I think it's I think it's uh, you know, something something I, I share with Mister Del Toro. But um, yeah, seeing 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 the outsider be pushed shunned by society for really not doing much of anything wrong, really. <laughs> Well, how can I mean? How can you watch this movie, the original movie, without, without? Uh, I wish that lady's gonna having fuck that, that feeling. Dude. Like, <laughs> no, but without, like, the humans in this movie suck. Yeah, yeah, they're just they encroaching do. on this this like primordial creature's home, and then like, let's kill it. Yeah, that's. I mean, they they suck. Even the good ones suck. Yeah, and but what you just said though before that about um, the outsider stuff. Right, like yeah. that's 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 deeply the theme of the Shape of Water because all the sympathetic human characters uh, in this that movie are uh, outsiders, like by um, from society in some in some way. Like the main the cleaning woman who falls in love with the creature um, is deaf. As, I'm sorry, mute. And then you know her best friend is a gay man, for example. So they all have yeah. like they all the sympathetic characters have something that's keeping them apart from this 1950s society. Which Michael Shannon plays the bad guy. He plays like the archetypal like FBI agent guy, sort of like yeah. a very Michael Shannon performance. Uh, but anyway, and, and you also get to see the creature as like a mm, ancient god rather than just a like a dolphin with legs, right? So it's a cool, it's a cool movie. I, again, it's it's like I guess you'd call it like minor del Toro, but uh, poor minor del Toro. I mean, to be fair, like his highs are really high. I I, I and I rewatched the movie. I greatly enjoyed it. Obviously, yeah. it's beautiful. Every piece of it is designed immaculately. Like, um, I mean, listen, say what you will about even the low the lower lights of del Toro is. <laughs> there is excellent design in those movies. Yeah, there's the design is in that movie is excellent and. It's actually very similar. You kind of have to have a similar attitude to um, Crimson Peak. It's not a horror movie. It's a romance. It's just a very unconventional romance. Yeah. Uh, and Sally Hawkins is in it too. She's like, she's amazing. Um, so yeah, that's that's all I had really to say about the creature from the Black Lagoon. It's, it's, yeah. This is the this is the last of the original like Universal pantheon. It, we, just it, had, oh. we just had never gotten to it. Yeah, I'll say it's a good thing Del Toro found something to do with that old that old Abe Sapien costume. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's another thing too. Uh, Doug Jones plays the uh, creature in that movie, right? Well, Doug Jones always plays his monsters. Or, I mean, yeah. Doug Jones plays a lot of monsters in general. And that was a point that was raised in that book I, I listened to, "The Lady from the Black Lagoon," which was. The I think they specifically mentioned the shape of water and how many Oscars it got nominated for, which was some ridiculous number. Right, and then she she put the author she pointed out that um, Doug Jones got done, even though there's like 
he's kind of like the linchpin of that movie and his performance is very specific and like only he could really do that you know right or right. only you know it's not not only him but it's it's a specific talent that doug jones has that's why he's in the costume so much right i mean just like look at the fawn yeah the fawn dude it's like there's a person dude. that's not cg that's like a person and like man he is like it's like an yeah it's an exceptional skill that i think goes really underappreciated I think people maybe maybe it's because he was Gollum, but I you definitely hear people talk about what's that guy's Should oh Andy Circus yeah and they talk about Andy Circus a lot more but man Doug Jones is the real hero I mean Andy Circus is good at what he does as well yeah they I mean they're both good but Doug, yeah, I mean cer- certainly Doug Jones deserves more recognition though I'm totally on right. board with that um, yeah so um. <laughs> Doug Jones um, apology or hero squad here saying yeah. doug jones deserves give you, doug do jones we, an oscar do we stand jug doug jones i would never stand anybody <laughs> i'm not gonna put doug jones in my trunk and drive the car off the bridge or something <laughs> but like oh, the stuff he does with his fingers man <laughs> in the fa- when he's the fawn like yeah i mean that movie is unbelievable it's so, it's so exceptional but now i know uh, i know a nine-year-old can't watch that movie because i'm pretty sure that there's like a part where guy gets beat to death it's pretty messed up yeah well i mean it's literally like fascist spain like during world war ii isn't it uh yeah like there's allegory in there but it's also there's also literalism in there it's it's spanish civil war i don't know when that yeah that that sort of happened during before and during world war ii i don't know when yeah actual movie is set though um yeah so it's, it's, it's a delightful mixture of, oh, it's like a metaphor, but also here's the real thing also happening. Yeah. Right. Which I think, you know, is a big part of Del Toro's strength is, like, mix, like dealing with, like, monsters and using them for, like, stand-ins for things, mm-hmm. but also including real life as well. Yeah, he's, he's good at the real life parts. And, but he's also not afraid of kind of like obvious metaphor, and yeah. knows how to knows how to make that work without you know without being stupid. Yeah, um, and it, Pan's Labyrinth is kind of like one of the last, it, for good reason. But it's one of the only movies of that genre that I haven't shown my daughter, which is like the girl goes into fantasy world type genre. Oh, yeah. right, one well, of my favorite sort of uh, one of my favorite sort of subgenres like Labyrinth. Love that movie. Yeah, um, Alice in Wonderland, obviously. Uh, you ever, the, you ever seen the lore? The lure? No, I'm missing the lure. I don't know. I like, uh, you're talking about the I mermaid really like, one. That's the mermaid one. Vaguely yeah. adjacent. It's more a Little Mermaid than Swamp Thing, but I also really like the lure as well. Yeah, I gotta watch that one. Uh, so, any recommendations? The lure. Oh, yeah, yeah. Watch the lure. That's okay. uh, that's always one of my recommendations. If you haven't seen the lure, watch that movie. I really like it. Yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and recommend The Shape of Water for sure. I should watch that movie. I just. When I rearranged my Blu-rays, I put my second copy, my original copy of Pan's Labyrinth with my to-sell pile because I have the Criterion Pan's Labyrinth. Oh, cool. Do you have The Shape of Water? I do not have The Shape of Water. I believe it's streaming on Hulu. I I should watch that movie. If you have Hulu. I do have Hulu.com slash Shape of Water. Mm-hmm. Slash Uh, Thank You, Please. 
All right, I'm going to so, hit stop now. Are we good for that? Uh, no, no, we got to do our housekeeping. Uh, let's do housekeeping. Let's keep our house in order. Do our housekeeping real quick, and then we can't stop. So our housekeeping is, we've got a Patreon. Ah, yes, patreon.com slash. Good old horror. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, patreon.com slash golden age horror. Uh, this month we are releasing a bonus episode covering Destroy All Monsters, the kaiju movie. The kaiju movie. Yes. The kaiju, the kaiju movie. They're all there. All your favorite monsters are there. If, if you would like... Kamoga's not, here, too. If you'd like Come to not miss, if you'd like to not miss an episode, no spoilers for the Patreon episode, please, Andrew. All I'm going to say is... Kamonga's there too. Kumonga. Is he not kind of a kaiju? No, he does. But I just we'll talk about how much I enjoy that line <laughs> later <laughs> when, we, when we talk about that actual thing. Spoilers um, for the sequence of recording. We do them in order, folks, one at a time, one yep. foot in front of the other. The uh, if you enjoy the show, please leave us a review that says you enjoyed the show. And give us all the stars, collect all the buttons, whatever you got to do. Um, best ways to not miss an episode. Subscribe on your podcatcher, or there's an RSS feed on the website, or there's an email list. Those are the best ways. Perfect. And we've got a thing, a phone number. It's 508-817-3408 if you want to leave us a voicemail. Our theme music is the Swan Lake Dub by Dubology. And all this information can be found on our website, goldenhr.com. Bingo Bango, printed. Uh, printed. I'm hitting stop now. Is that good?